Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show presented by our friends at Thor MX. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. As usual, with me on the line is uh, my boss, Jason Wygant. Yeah. Did you really, truly use Ric Flair as an example of a sporting figure? That I mean, are you, are you being dead serious when I was talking about basketball and hockey and football in this argument we were having? And you legitimately brought out Ric Flair as someone to make your case? Well, let's first get to the, the bottom of what we were talking about, which is um, Ricky Carmichael's continued appearances uh, on a bike. And um, the discussion that we were having, discussion, we see it both ways, you know. Okay, like Jeremy McGrath runs a team, Jeff Ward was running a team, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of become the, the thing to do. Um, but Carmichael on the team photo shoot still goes out there on a bike and does jumps. We do not see McGrath doing that in Andrew Short's photo shoot. So <clears throat> we were then trying to find a parallel to other sports. Like, I've gone to a couple of Charlotte Bobcats games here, and not once has Jordan come out in a jersey and dunked. You're, uh, making, so me, the, you're making me look like a jackass. But my point was, if you're, no. if you're Brock Tickle or Josh Hill, and oh. you open up RacerX.com, and there's a photo of your manager who's long retired, whipping his bike sideways, aren't you like... <sighs> no. Like, you think they care? Why would they care? Yeah, have you, do, you, do we want to get into the numerous examples of egos in our sport uh, affecting our job daily? Hold on. You really think that Josh Hill and Brock Tickle aren't so pumped to be on Factory Suzuki's on the team that Carmichael is helping run that they have any complaints when, at all. They'd probably be like, dude, when, if you want to race one of the races for me, go ahead. I'm pumped to be here. When shit goes sideways, or if if it goes sideways, at the end of yeah. 2013, the grumbling will be, yeah, man, it seemed like only anybody ever cared about was Ricky, making sure Ricky was good. That, that's not, that's I, I am going, that, that, is, is that is what will happen. That, that when, will not happen. That will happen if things go sideways, because when things go sideways, riders have a tendency to never look in the mirror. They never look in the mirror and go, hey, I just didn't ride good. They look elsewhere and outward. And that are, will be. They can a- look any direction they want. They are not going to point to Carmichael did a photo shoot and that jacked us up. Now, they might say the team was a mess, the team was disorganized, but I don't think they're going to blame any of that on Carmichael slapped the gear on too many I'm times. Not, and I'm not blaming Carmichael. I'm blaming us or the fans or somebody because you don't see that in other sports. You don't see Michael Waltrip <laughs> in a fire suit. Next to uh, who did he have this year? He had, he had a, a Boyer, and yeah, Boyer, yeah. He, right. He had Boyer and another guy, and and they did really well. You don't see Michael Waltrip. Hey, I'm going to do some laps on my NASCAR team. You don't see Jordan come out in a Bobcats jersey 
you know, in the opening ceremonies. This is the type of stuff that I'm like, what are we doing? What, what, Which brings us to the point you were making at the top of the show. The only example I could come up with <laughs> yes, of a yes, guy that keeps yes. marching himself back out there is Ric right. Flair in the WWE. And I know this because my dad always emails me Tuesday morning to tell me what happened on Monday Night Raw. And he's like, Flair returned, and he was in the ring for about 35 minutes just fighting random dudes. And I'm okay. like, he is going to die in the ring. And he said, yep, he actually said that's his goal. Um, and again, I brought up Gretzky, Oral Hershiser. Yeah. There's another guy that comes to mind, Michael Waltrip, Jordan. These are all great at involvement with teams. No, Hershiser doesn't. Nolan Ryan, sorry. Uh, yeah. And these are all greats that have involvements with the teams. And you just don't see what we see in our sport. I mean, the guys from Feld got RC to do parade laps as far back, as little back as two years ago in Atlanta. And I just go, what are we doing? And look, it's it, it, the whole thing with Carmichael is going to come back with me. Because people know that we don't have a great relationship, and he doesn't like me, and he may or may not have forced Kenny Watson off the Pulp Show. That has nothing to do with it. It's not him. It's us. It's it's Simon Cudby for putting that photo up of RC on Racer X. It's Feld for getting him to do um, opening ceremony laps. Like we, you just let it go. The limelight is gone for him for that era. And he was the, the one of the greatest ever, but let's move on. Like we don't see the Jordan Gretzky Nolan Ryan. That's all. That's all. That's I just I just can't. I, I I'm mystified when I try to think of other sports that do this, and I can't However, figure it out. Here's the thing, though. You're the only person in the entire sport who has an issue with this. Maybe a few of the riders that he raced against that might have a grudge or something like that. You're the only other person I can think of that isn't a fan of this. No, not and, true. Not true. There's plenty of people in the pits. Ooh. Are there rumblings? There's plenty of people in the pits that are the same thing. Like, what are they doing? Not and, what are and, they doing? And people that are not a guy who raced Carmichael and you know he's just yes, yes, has a personal grudge with him from the past or something. No, no grudges, no grudges. Wygant. That's the thing, and that's how this argument will be taken. Is that it, it will immediately? <laughs> right. become no, a, no, it will be. It, but it, there's no grudge. I'm go the other way. There's no grudge. I go to these. You go to these Charlotte Bobcats games downtown, and the crowd couldn't care less. The stands, the stands are half full. The yeah, team sucks. Team sucks. Right. No one identifies with it. The only thing that gets them excited at all is that they are owned by the greatest athlete in the history of the world. It's the only legitimacy they have. If Jordan actually did something like that, it would be huge. Now, you, he's probably going to say, you know, he's got too much class for that, and I hate saying that because now it's saying that RC doesn't have class for doing what he does. But it would be what the fans want. Yeah, but you just don't see it done. Gretzky, the same thing. Gretzky, the Phoenix crowd. You know, the Phoenix crowd would have went ape shit if Wayne would have strapped on the pads one more time. And, and well, and, so is, is like, or so. I mean, Jordan and Wayne are then correct. Michael Waltrip wrong. Michael Waltrip. Well, it's not so much. I mean, I don't think Carmichael is putting his hand up and saying me, 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 me. I think Feld is asking him and thinking it would be rad. And I think Simon Cudby's like. Hey, you should go and do some whips, and I'll take photos and put them on our website. And again, I like Simon. Simon's a great dude. I'm just I'm going to call right. it. Call so if it. you're Feld and your job is to have an event that gets the fans pumped and want to buy tickets, that's what they use. If you're Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky and you have ownership in a team that the, the fans could not care less about, why don't you think about doing that? Because you just don't. Your time is gone. You don't need the limelight. You don't need the attention. You're not competing. 
You know, who's the yeah. star Bobcat player? I don't even know now that. That's my point. But no, but the only thing they would have going for them is this Jordan thing. Yeah, and but they downplayed as much as possible. There's got to be one guy on the team that's decent. I don't know who it is. I can't think of it. But I'm not an NBA guy. But like, like let him have the limelight and let him be the guy and try to be the guy and you know. And the same thing with our with our with our opening laps. Like Carmichael got all the adulation you could possibly want in the world. And Feld thinks that it would be cool to march him back out. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't. Feld and all the people in the Georgia Dome that watch him come out think it. So how dumb a decision is it really? Well, like I, like I said, there's plenty of people that side with me. And not, and not all ex-racers that raced against him. Either. Right, okay, I'll, right. I'll, I'll give you that. But I would still say that more than half the people think it's awesome. Well, why don't, if it's so awesome. Like, and you know what's cool? I even got to see Carmichael come out. Why don't we, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that in other sports? Why don't we see that if it's so awesome? I don't know. Maybe they're missing the boat. <laughs> all right. So that's what I'm saying. Gretzky, right. Gretzky, as an owner, and over there in Phoenix, that was a failure, correct? Yeah, he doesn't own them anymore. Yes, nothing right. And the right. Bobcats are a joke. So good job, guys. Um, you guys are killing it. So back to the original argument. You yes. truly believe that Ric Flair is 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 and his antics in the ring are on this level. And it's fun. No, sadly, it's the only example I come up with. Now, if you think that <laughs> comparing a fake sport and a 70-year-old man taking falls in the ring is an insult to Carmichael, that's up to you. I, I'm not putting an opinion uh, either way. But it's said, the only example I can come up with of a dude that won't, just keeps on doing all it. All I said was in, in the conversation was, who else does this? And you came back with, Ric Flair does. Who else could I come up with? I don't know. I don't well, know. There are no other examples. I don't know. But to me, it's hilarious that you came up with yeah. that that quickly and – you seem to present it as a legitimate argument. I, I, I Listen, I know better than to ever say anything bad about Carmichael. I'm not going to put it up as either a I'm good not, or bad example. I'm, it is merely an example. I am not you saying... You can interpret it any way you'd like. I am not saying something bad about Ricky Carmichael right now. Uh, that is not my point. <laughs> my point is that we... That comes later? No, the, my point is that we think this is cool. Simon Cudby and Feld and, and whoever else, like, were... This is like an industry cool thing that I'm like, what? Yeah. What? I'm like, huh? You know, that's all. That's it. And 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 I wish, oh God, I wish we had a time machine because I will tell you, and there's no way of verifying this. <laughs> so it sounds like a Coy Gibbs way of making. An I argument. know there's 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 no way to verify this, but I swear to you, on my dog Hogan life, oh. that when MC was coming on on the KTM. And doing a knack-knack, I'm like, that's lame. That's lame. I swear to you, I was that way. Remember? Do you remember they, they had that? Oh, they, yeah. Yeah, they used to bring him out. And he would. And it was funny because if they had a whoop section before the triple. He would almost eat shit trying to get the oh, speed Oh, I up. remember it. Yeah, the, down the third base line at Anaheim. Right. He was, and he still had to do the knack-knack. <laughs> of course I mean, he it did. Was flying W through the whoops and still knew he had to pull that triple on a knack-knack on that bike. Probably hadn't trained in three months. And I was at Yamaha at the time, and I was down there for opening ceremonies, and I was, I was, I was disgusted. The same thing. I thought this is lame. This is lame. The guy. You remember the guy is retired. Oh, I do, I do. Which was the only part that made it somewhat worthwhile. Whoa, whoa! And you still managed to think it was lame, even with a Van Halen song playing. I love the Van Halen song. Yeah, obviously, clearly. No, but honestly, and, and again, I, I wish there was a time machine. We could go back to a younger, sl- slightly slimmer Steve Mathis standing next to Tim Ferry going, dude, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this every week? What, what? 
the guy is done. He retired. I swear I was like that. Here's an even better question. But there's no way to prove that. So I look, you know, I, but, but I did come up with a thought in my head, which does, should count. We can call Tim Ferry and ask him. Yeah, but that doesn't count again because that would be a guy who raced against McGrath. But no, he can verify that. I was like, dude, that's lame. Oh, he could verify. You, you, so you just have no memory of it? What do you mean? You, you can't remember how you felt is what no, you're saying. No, I totally can. But I'm saying if you don't believe me, we can get Tim oh. Ferry to verify that I was saying that's lame. You're a lot of things, but I don't accuse you of being a liar. If you're saying you thought it was lame then, I'll believe you. I did. I, I, and it's the same thing now. And I'm like, that's lame. Yep. The bigger question would be, Carmichael down on the floor at now, that time. No, wait, 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 having, wait, wait one minute. Wait one minute. And people are going to say, yeah, Mathis, but you love the Tim Ferry Steel City farewell lap. And it's not that I loved it. I'm okay with that one time. One thing, hey, the guy's retired. Let's, yeah. let, I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. The, the week after week after week of there goes my hero and Carmichael coming out down the start straight. I'm, we, let's do it once. Let's do it once. I agree. Some sort of tribute. I'm fine with that. But week after week after week and time after time after time is lame. I say again that the bigger question would be Carmichael was down on the floor when McGrath was doing those laps too, probably feeling – quite confident in himself knowing I'm the guy who essentially forced him into retirement because I'm the one that <laughs> broke his string. What did he think of McGrath doing it at the time? That would be interesting. That would be interesting. I don't know if you'd ever – yeah, I don't know if you'd ever yeah. get the answer or not. But um, yeah. I just – And the other thing <laughs> to defend both those guys is that we all know that there's more to it than just Fell thought it would be cool or those guys wanted their ego stroked. There's got to be money and business deals involved. McGrath had a – race team ready to go and sponsors ready to go in 2003 and retired 10 days before the season began. So I'm going to assume there was some sort of, listen, guys, I got bad news. All the promises I made, I plan on going and racing and winning races. I'm not even going to race at all. Here's a little something maybe I can do to make it not horrible. Don't you think that was part of it? Uh, I don't know. We can certainly ask Larry Brooks. Uh, He will tell us. Um, but maybe, yeah, yeah maybe, I, maybe. I would wonder. And, so. and let's be honest, when Carmichael's on that Suzuki wearing Fox gear with monster logos, I'm sure that's not an accident in these photos. You know what I mean? There's probably a little something in it for these guys to stay on the bike and get their photo taken and have people watch them. Well, he's got millions of dollars in the bank. So what could it possibly pay him to make, it, to make this worthwhile for him? Well, I'll leave it on this hilarious joke. You can never be too rich or too thin. <laughs> I suppose that I suppose that's a part. That's a good point. Um, you get the the connection, like the yeah, you know. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, got it. All right, listen. The, the, you got off track here. Fourteen minutes of getting off track. I get off track. Well, I just wanted to bring up the Ric Flair thing and get your points, and you 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 made it sound uh, um, all crazy. So let's 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 get on board with what this podcast is about, okay? And that's yeah. not about Ric Flair. And it's not about me going off on a rant. Um, well, unless Ric Flair is in the top 30 supercrossers of all time. You never know. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, this is something that we're doing, presented by Monster Energy, uh, the Racer X top 30 all-time supercrossers, 30-day um, countdown. We're obviously doing this uh, you know, before the countdown is up, but there's Anaheim coming up and there's a lot to do. You could probably guess the top seven. Um, 
but we're, we're we, you know, you can probably figure it out. But we'll, we're, well, you can certainly figure out who's in once we get down to like top ten, right. top five. You know who's going to be in it. Maybe the order. There's been is. some some uh, grumbling in the comment section. Shocking, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, about this list, and we kind of wanted to do a little podcast about it and talk about. We've having these conference calls myself, uh, you, Davy Coombs, Chase Stallo. I don't know who else is on it in the office there. Um, about this list, and it doesn't just go off wins. We could we could just take the top thirty all time win list, which you know Done. W- yeah, we, wouldn't we be. That. <laughs> I mean, you could do that. You could do yeah. that, but that's not the top thirty supercrosses of all time. It would be easy for us, but we don't take the easy way out here at Racer X. Oh. Uh, I, I just do want to say also that Davey, when he was starting this project, uh, he consulted two other guys who are pretty darn knowledgeable uh, historians. First, Eric Johnson, who I think anyone that reads Racer X knows, the love of the old school 1980s Supercross might not be eclipsed by anyone when it, for EJ. Unbelievable. So certainly a guy who's knowledgeable about the history of the sport. And then maybe the most knowledgeable person of, of all, uh, Roy Jansen, who was the, uh, the AMA manager for... I don't even know how long. What, 20 years? Yeah, but Roy, Roy's answer was the best, though. Roy's- yeah, well, it, 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 it illustrates exactly what you're saying. Like, you can't just go off the win list. Right. Apparently, Roy Jansen said, oh, well, you want to talk best 30 supercrossers of all time? Number one, Jean-Michel Bale. <laughs> and Davey was like, what? He goes, well, if you want to read the record book, here it is. But I'm telling you who the best rider ever was. Right. He was the best rider <laughs> ever. And, and you could, if you know Roy, you know the way he delivered it and the way he said it. And he probably were, walked off after Probably that. some F-bombs in there. Right. And, and then he probably walked off, too. Like, that yeah. was it. That's the end. He's not interested but, in two, three, or four. He's just going to tell you who the best. Yeah. But the point is, um, these are some pretty knowledgeable uh, people. There might not, honestly, if you go around the industry, I don't, you might not find anyone more knowledgeable than Roy Jansen, like, for real. Um, he was the AMA head for decades, then switched over and became the head of it from the, the Feld side. And now he's with DMG, which just means he's now with MX Sports. The trivia on Roy is that he has a five-digit AMA number. The rest of us losers have a six-digit number because he started that far before all of us. Yeah, that would be good. Um, yeah. So the point is we've got some pretty knowledgeable people in here, but even then we run head-on collisions with each other over what's important and how well, do you yeah, determine it. Well, and like, and i, I got to say, me and D- Davey and I, we have uh, – we have, Davey – Davey will give the benefit to a rider who has a long career and not that many wins, but a long career with, with steady wins. And over top of a rider like Bradshaw or a rider like uh, Lachine, somebody, yeah. to me, there's an eye test and then there's the record book. And yep. I've certainly watched enough 80s videos and been in enough of these races myself that the eye test to me ranks over top of the record books of the length of the career, and that is why someone like Michael Arocco, I felt a twenty-one was probably too too high. Um, but Davy, Davy, obviously being the owner and head chief of Racer X, he's going to get his way. I, well, I don't want to just make it sound like it was literally just a, a battle of wills. You know, it's the no, same but, type of argument that goes into Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, voting. yeah, yeah. You know no, what I mean? no. I mean, I'm not saying it's no. This is a consensus that we made, and I. Yeah. And yeah. I, but to me, to me, I value yep. the, I value wins in a shorter period. Uh, the starburst type of guy that comes in, a starbuster. 
that comes in and uh, and disappears and shows incredible skill over the guy. And again, I don't like a Henry or a Larocco that sort of are very good, grab some wins, and have a long career. Davey feels like winning, and I certainly see Davey's point. Yeah, he, he says winning over a longer period, being competitive enough to win races over a long time, is better. I disagree, but hey, that's why this list is the way it is. Well, Bale is the hardest to classify them all because he's the only one that had the combination of, you know, came in as the star buster, the star burst, won, and then literally left. Anyone else that had a short reign had that reign come to an end involuntarily. Even Damon Bradshaw, who is as good as good could be for three years, you cannot argue that he himself was at the controls to keep that going, and he failed to keep it going. That was on, his, that was on him, you know what I mean? Had, he, had Damon not come back from his self-imposed, self-imposed exile, he would have had the second-best winning percentage of all time. I know, but you, you, in that case, you're saying that a guy is rewarded for only racing four years, getting beat in year four, and then retiring. You're saying that you actually get rewarded for that. I'm saying that if you come in and everyone in the stands looks at you and goes, that's the baddest mother effer here tonight. Sure. That's worth something more than, because this is the 30 best Supercross racers of all time. Racers right, and of it's all true time. that so, I don't think anyone ever said that about LaRocco. Thank you. And no one maybe, said that about Doug Henry. Maybe for a night or two here or there. No one, said, no one, no one, no one ever industry. said it ever. No one ever said it ever. Trust me. I've asked. <laughs> okay. I've, I've gone around. I've called everyone from all the stadiums. No one ever, <laughs> ever said that. And that's why, for example, David Villeman should be higher to me. Should be higher because he beat McGrath, Carmichael, Reed, when they were at the peak of their powers. But I'm going to throw another, More than a few throw another More angle than... at you here. Yeah. Uh, it, when, uh, in, at Villeman's peak, which was probably about a year or two or three, where he was really, you know, 2000, he was phenomenal. 2001 was a bad year. 2002 was a good one. And that's pretty much his prime, right? You, he clearly was better than both, say, Morocco and Wyndham in those years, right? Yes. Then over the next several years, LaRocco was far better than him. They were on the same track, same time. LaRocco was better. And, I wouldn't say far better, but better. Yes, better. Yeah. And then, and then Wyndham, not even a question. Like, Wyndham, Villeman was better than Wyndham in the year 2000, no doubt. And in 01. And in 02. And then, he sure wasn't anywhere beyond that. The next four or five years, Wyndham was beating him every weekend. So you don't get, Wyndham gets no credit for that whatsoever? Again. I don't believe anyone will look at Wyndham and be like, that's the baddest mother effer here because Chad Reed could beat him straight up when it was both of them going at it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then, of course, Carmichael could, and, of course, Stewart could, um, and, of course, McGrath could. There were times when he was unbeatable. No, here. but I would say that that's true. Villeman probably – has more races where the people in the stands were shaking their heads saying, and, "Oh my god!" And I'm not. And I'm oh not, my god! And this isn't. I'm not saying you know we have uh, we have Wyndham in 13. Um, we have Villeman in 26. I'm not saying Villeman should be higher than Wyndham. I'm saying Villeman should be higher than 26. You know, I would put him ahead of a guy like Larocco in 21. I would put him ahead of Yogi 
Maybe not Yogi. No, you would not put him ahead of Yogi. That's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, maybe not Yogi. They're very similar. No, I feel like Yogi they're, did exactly what Villeman yeah, did, but maybe a little bit more effective. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're very similar. Yeah. Never won a title, but at times, they were bad dudes. Yeah, and I would say for Lusk, there were maybe a few more of those times. Like maybe it was right. five times that Villeman was like, dude, he might be the best guy here. Maybe right. it was eight right. for Yogi. I mean, so, they both slayed McGrath straight up. Which so now that, I, now that I said that uh, – Davy's theory is one, and my theory is the other. What do you what do you subscribe to? Well, here's the problem with you going with just the flash of brilliance. In that case, then you do have to follow Roy Jansen's idea, and Jean Michel Bell is the best. Well, which I, how could you say a one time champ who won whatever you know one sixth the amount of races as McGrath or whatever right. wins like? Again, they don't put people in the Hall of Fame in another sport because they had two good years, no matter how good those years were or no matter how they chose to end it. It just doesn't happen. It's kind of like a Bo Jackson argument. Which Did you watch that 30 for 30? No, nah, I got a DVR. Dude, it's, it's awesome. Good, yeah. But, again, he'll never make the Hall of Fame. In any, in any, in any no sport. one does. I mean, you, you and I both know that Don but, Mattingly was the best hitter in the 1980s in baseball, but it was only three great seasons. You know that clearly in your mind that he was the best. Uh, after George Bell, yes, absolutely. What? Not even close. After, but, but he's not going to make the How many MVPs does Manley have? None. One. Oh, did he win the MVP? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because one's not enough. You have to do it over a sustained period of time, and no one would argue that. So here, you can't throw that out the window. Like, it would just be okay, ridiculous. Look, there's, we haven't released the whole list yet. McGrath's going to be number one. I almost, for sure, under... I, I, Bell is not going to be. I'll, I'll no, go that far. No, 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 no. But if you wanted to make a case... For JMB being number two or three, I would I would listen all day long. I, I would, and that's what makes this so. I would listen all day long because and I, and he I want came in when they're listening. He to won, know that we do have to think about all this stuff and he, how difficult he, he it is. He came in. He won all every year yep. except for '89 that he raced. He only raced a few races in '89. He won every single year. He won one title. He missed out on two by the narrowest of margins, and he went home. Yep. But yep. the best supercrossers of all time. That's what the column is called. He invented taking the whoops in fourth gear. That was yep. all him. He he was crafty as they come. Um, he would jump almost anything. So, again, I wouldn't put him at one. Would I listen? If you wanted to say two, three, or four, I would listen. Absolutely, and I think we all would. I mean, when Roy brought that up, I think everyone was like, that sounds both ridiculous and legit at the same time. And how do you <laughs> weigh? It's almost like there's a pie. And you have to give like a certain amount of weight to certain things because yeah, that that's to, why the eye test. That's why my pie and pie sounds good right now. By the way, of course, um, my pie has a big wedge of eye test of you're, you. Of, yeah, but the argument you're making right now is that your pie is the entire pie is the eye test. No, just a big chunk of it. I mean, you want to put Lachine in third? A big chunk of it. Case? No, Lachine has no titles, and he was awesome. But I would put him like a villain. So he's right. Lachine has no title, so we're saying that he's probably to a degree the record book and the statistics do have some impact. How do you determine how much of an impact they have? Well, yeah, and that's why my pie has got a big chunk there for for eye test for being right so gnarly. But to say that what Wyndham and LaRocco were able to do, which is stay near the top, stay in the whatever ninetieth percentile for fifteen to twenty seasons. To give them no credit for that, no, they that's get, essentially what you'd be doing in this case. They get credit. Look, we got Wyndham at 13. Well, they get credit on the list we have. They don't get credit from your perspective. 
No, no, they, like, they totally do. No, and I, and I, and I, yeah. Well, then why, why would you put Villamin ahead of LaRocco if you're giving LaRocco credit for that? You're just saying Villamin was better at his peak, so because, he's ahead of him on the list. Because Wyndham has 18 wins and Mike has 10. Wyndham has almost double the amount of wins. Yeah, that's why Wyndham is by 13th and right. LaRocco is 21st. Right, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm conceding that Wyndham's, yeah. Wyndham's 18 wins, probably soon to be passed by Ryan Dungey, by the way, who has 11. Uh, maybe not soon, but no, um, no, you never know. Yeah, uh, a long way off. Um, I will give Wyndham credit for having eight more wins than Mike LaRocco, and he should be higher. And he and thirteen, yeah, thir- I'm okay with thirteen for Wyndham. I'm okay. And now, if you want to put Wyndham ahead of Bradshaw or ahead of JMB, I will fight you. I will fight you. <laughs> and luckily, <laughs> he did not come in higher, but no. But I think there'd be people who would say he should be. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and I think that shows there's no way you're ever going to make any kind of ranking. is never going to make everyone happy. But especially when you think of the parameters you have to think about, it would be preposterous to ignore the eye test. It would be preposterous to not give Bell credit for how good he was when he was there. But it would also be preposterous to not give LaRocco credit for longevity or Wyndham credit for longevity. So in that case, you have to try to figure out how do those different things match up against each other? And like I said, they do it in every other sport. That's what a Hall of Fame is. Guys get in who were never um, – the, Derek Jeter is like the most sure bet Hall of Famer like ever, right? Maybe. Yet at no time was Derek Jeter ever the best player in baseball in his entire career. He was never the best. He was just top 10, 20 best guy for 20 years. But he gets huge credit for that, and no one's going to argue it. So that's the battle you have all the time. So, again, and maybe I wasn't paying attention, what do you give more credit to? Uh, for the purpose of this list, you know that the only concrete argument people can make is that record book, is those wins, championships, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to weigh every decision you make against that. Hence, Bale, how many wins does Bale have? Let me see here. Uh, JMB has uh, 16 wins. He has 16 wins. You just cannot, I feel, when a thing is staring you in the face, saying that Carmichael and Stewart have 40-some wins and significantly more titles than him, you, I feel like you cannot put him ahead of them. I, I don't think I'm you can do I'm not saying it. he should be. I'm not saying he should. I would listen to an argument that said that. I wouldn't punch the but guy right, in the face. Right, and, and we, we right. have listened to that argument right. from another than Roy, probably laced with F-bombs. I, I, I would not punch you in the right. face. Uh, I would listen. I do not believe, but... Uh, right, so... You do have to look in that uh, the, the only immovable object here, the only thing you cannot argue is that record book. That is inarguable. Everything else, mm, how important is longevity? How, much, how important is the eye test? That's a fluid thing. So I feel like as long as you have that record book propping your argument up, right. you're in good shape. I was waiting for you to fight harder for Jeff Emig, your co-host in the booth. Well, on my original, here's the here's, – that is the perfect example of what I was talking about. So Davey asked me for what I thought, and I said to myself, Emig won a championship, Bradshaw did not. If I were to put Bradshaw, who didn't win a title, ahead of Emig, I would get eviscerated. Every fan on earth would say, Emig won a title, Bradshaw did not. How could you put a guy who didn't win a title ahead of someone who did? That's what I thought. I'd like, the record book doesn't lie, but... You and everyone else thought I was insane for thinking that. Now, do I think Bradshaw was a better rider? Do I want to put him ahead? I just thought 
everyone on earth would say, the goal is to win the title. Emig did it at Bradshaw did not. Hmm. Apparently, I was wrong. Yeah, you were. What about? I got, I, including uh, Emig himself disagreed with that. He did, that? didn't he? Uh, Emig and O'Mara, I think, are perfect partners together, and they come in at 17 and 18. And that, to me, they're perfect. I think that that's exactly – they both have a title. Neither one was the baddest dude ever on a Supercross track, uh, but they won a title and they won a fair round of races. They actually won pretty close. Emmy got seven, and O'Mara has – Got same. Same? Does O'Mara have seven? Yeah, O'Mara has a seven, right. So same yeah. amount of wins, everything. It's, it's, it's eerie. You'll find it. Uh, I found as we study this, you, you find that type of thing happening a lot. Like you'll find two riders – from like different eras who seem like similar in their time. Mm-hmm. And then you look at those stats and you're like, huh, it's almost the same. Isn't that not bizarre? Um, like, for example, even the Wyndham Morocco comparison itself, you're like, man, Wyndham, he's kind of like the old guy that just kept racing and racing, kind of like Morocco. And well, how many races did they race? Holy shit, it's almost the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very interesting. There's another example, I think, uh, Glover. Uh, Glover did not win a title, but we all know that that was very. If you okay, that's a perfect. Glover and LaRocco both didn't win titles, both in their era, very similar. I don't know if anyone ever left the stadium saying either one is like hands down the best dude, but you can't argue they were bad dudes. They were in the hunt. They could win at the when the time was right, and lo and behold, look at them. Both have exactly ten wins. Yeah, funny, huh? <laughs> it's um, weird. Do you want to talk about Henry at nineteen? I'd rather not. Let's move along. I mean, the, the whole thing is blown by that. I cannot explain why Henry's 19. <laughs> we lost. Just we, say, just, we just lost. Let's just say just... it is a very ridiculous reason. <laughs> and I can say what it is not. It's not because we thought we were cute making him number 19 because that's his number. Right. And it's not because <laughs> it's not because anyone paid us to do it. And I can guarantee you – Doug Henry probably doesn't even have a computer or know what the website is. It wasn't from him directly. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was not. Like, yeah. it was just a major miscalculation on our part. So, uh, my apologies to from numbers 30 through 20, <laughs> who apologize. probably should all be ranked ahead of him. We made, a, we made an error. Um, just uh, leave it at that. Uh, hey, you know what's surprising? Yep. Uh, Villapoto has uh, over double the amount of wins that Dungy does. Now, I would have... Definitely said, and obviously we know that he's he's got more one more title, but yeah. over double and only yeah. one more season of racing, which Villapoto captured two of the wins. And if you took away those two wins, he'd still have double. Um, yeah, and it that's does the only that's like the only time. Like I kept saying that the O'Mara Emig argument, the Glover Morocco yeah. argument. Like you look and you're like, well, how about that? You think of those guys being equal to match up, and the wins column proves it. This is about the only time I could think of where there was an actual massive gap in what you, your perception. If you had no time to do the math, you would think they're about the same, right? Well, I would. I, I, we actually should, if we weren't so high and mighty and, and not, not wanting to mingle with the, with the, with the fans, we should <laughs> actually like just ask 20 dudes at Anaheim 1. Good point. What do you think the win? What do you think the win totals are for Villapoto and Dungey? Because I guarantee you, seventeen of those twenty people would guess within two or three of each other. Yeah, they'd be like one is eighteen and one is sixteen. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Villapoto's better, maybe by a couple of wins. I bet you yeah, know, like not double. 
there'd be no chance that you would say over double. Yeah, well, that actually leads to an interesting argument because most people put Wyndham ahead of uh, of Dungey. But we, again, Dungey has... I guess I was putting extra credit on the championship because I feel like when the guys go to the line, if you're a you know a guy who realistically can win the title, like Timmy, the goal like Timmy, when you roll years. in at right. Anaheim one, right. is to win the title. That is the goal, not to win a set amount of races. So I put accomplishing that goal. Uh, maybe I put too much weight on it. That's a, that was my Emig Bradshaw argument. I think you did. And that's the Dungey Windham argument. But most people or most people put Windham ahead. He's won more races. Because I would say that those guys are, except late in the season, they're all just trying to win the race. Title be damned. You can't tell these guys they're backing it. Like, the most important thing for them is to win the race. That Then the title will come when you win the race and more and more races. So, yes, the goal is to win the title. But really, truly, it's to do the best in that race. And when you get in that race, when the gate drops, and we each have four Manitoba titles, you know, so oh, right. you know, let's not forget that. But when that gate drops, you are just trying your hardest to be the fastest you can. Yeah, but if you're Wyndham, the years he was close, I, he, I'm sure he was. Like, there's no way in Vegas in in 2008 or 2004 that he was like, "Sweet, I run five races." He was bummed that he didn't win the title. He's like, "I had a shot at the title, and I didn't get the title." So you're one of those people that truly believe that Carmichael was backing it down. Thinking about the title, which no. is complete bullcrap. Oh. oh no, I don't believe that because Carmichael doesn't have backing it down. He doesn't know the right. His vocabulary does not include that terminology. It does not exactly. No, so. no, that that's that's complete BS. You don't win twenty four motos several times in your career when your object is to back it down and protect the points lead. Right. If you can win the damn race, he's going to win the damn race. But my point is, you know, every year. The goal for Bradshaw was to win the title. That was the goal. Right? Yeah. But, right now, but, we are not talking you know, about who's going to win more races in 2013. Everyone is trying to figure out who will be the champion. Yeah, that but is it, the goal. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a chicken or the egg argument. But, right. I mean, Bradshaw basically didn't win a title because he decided to go on missions to take out Jeff Matasevich. You know, and that is what cost him tons <clears> of points. Yeah. Never mind that L.A. choke job. That was almost just, you know, inevitable after – throwing away the amount of points that he did. So hey, you know that that Vegas takeout when when he took Matasovich out it it'll never get dissected enough because we didn't have the internet back then. Yeah. When that happened, they they interviewed Bradshaw on TV. I remember watching it on the Moto World show and all that. And Bradshaw at the time said, "No, that didn't have anything to do with it being Matasovich. I was in 6th and Bale and Stanton were first and second, and I knew that I had to past dudes as quickly as possible. So the first opening I had, I just went for it, and I blew it. That argument isn't even thought of anymore. Like, it's just no. clearly, oh, he was stupid enough to get into a grudge rate. Is there not even a chance that it was just uh, a yeah. stupid pass? Well, I mean, considering the, the U.S. Open had a grudge race between those two. Uh, well, <laughs> well, yeah, Bradshaw drives monster trucks. It's 15 years later, dude. He yeah. wants to play along with the hype. He's good at that, too, isn't he? Um, yeah, he really is, man. That's what disappoints me. Like, again, boy, we could have used... The Bradshaw thing is, it is by far, <clears throat> it's the saddest thing on this list. There's no doubt about it. Because even Bale, at least Bale got to go out on his own terms. You don't get any better than that. Like, you, you can't feel bad for the guy. He did what he wanted, right? Yeah, yeah. No. Bradshaw was destined, was supposed to have 
so much more. He was. So, he there's was. nothing more um, complex than what happened there. It's that time again. Thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast show brought to you by BTOsports.com, presented by Thor MX. I appreciate it. Don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on pulpamex.com to help out pulpamex.com. We appreciate it. Listen to these commercials. Buy from these sponsors. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson, to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Biggest underrated guy on this list? Yeah, we learned a lot about it, sir. Yesterday, what was the conversation we had yesterday? It wasn't yesterday. It was yesterday we were recording this, not when people are listening to it. Oh, are we, um, let, are we letting people know that? Oh, I, mean, I thought you just did. No, you did by saying yesterday. Oh, whatever. I mean, it's like Bill Simmons saying we're taping this on a Tuesday. Um, we already know what the list is, so what difference does it make when we tape it? We already know. what We've already made the decisions. I know, but people aren't going to hear this until after number eight. Okay, so I'll just say the name of the dude. <laughs> what difference does it make? I don't what know. Day? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so I'm looking through, I'm like, Mike Bell, huh? Did you know that Mike Bell, when he won the title in 1980, he won seven races, and that was, at the time, the all-time record for wins in a season, and that record would not be broken until Bell in 1991, 11 years. Yeah. Not even RJ. No. Well, who would have ever th- quiz anybody and say, who once held the all-time win record for 11 years? Right. I would know. No one. No one would, would say have Mike, Mike Bell. Bell. Right. And if, yeah, anybody's, and if anybody's listening who knows Mike Bell, try to find out if he made a comeback in, like, 91 
an 89 and 93 on a 125? The vault says yes. I called Davey today, and he says no. Davey so, says no? Okay. All right. So what happens with the vault, the vault is like the, you wouldn't know this, but the American Constitution is a living document. We have to make amendments at times. So when another dude named Mike Bell from the same town as Mike Bell in California enters the race, the computer doesn't know it's two different dudes. Okay, so we do know that was not Mike Bell, the Mike Bell. According to Davey, Mike Bell did not race 125 West in Seattle nine <laughs> years after his Supercross champion. Okay, good. Before, because I was, getting little, I was getting a little worried, and I feel like that would have been a bigger deal had, yes. it, had it really happened. Yes, oh. Jeff Matasevich and 1980 champion Mike Bell duking it out <laughs> in the 125. <laughs> 125 West series. Mike Bell, 6'4". With knees, with knees that were destroyed, is going to head up to Seattle. He's not gonna, he's not gonna race a California race. He's no. just gonna head up to Cal to Seattle. To well, race. I thought the most impressive was, according to the vault, the infamous 1991 Hangtown Mud Race, the One Moto Mud Race. Mike Bell, 17th in the yeah. 125 class. <laughs> I feel he came like, out of retirement for uh, one race eight years after he retired. Yeah, I feel like this would have been more news. I would have feel like this would have been a bigger deal. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. So, uh, Mike Bell, we put him at 16. Davey was the big Mike Bell guy. Well, Davey has the advantage over all of us. He, uh, a couple of these dudes, um, same thing with Jimmy Ellis. Uh, Davey actually saw some of these guys race in person, which I don't think a lot of us did. And, and yeah. honestly, if you didn't see them in person, racing wasn't on TV back then as much. Like, who didn't you see in person? I didn't see Jimmy Ellis. I didn't see. No. I didn't see Marty Tripes or Mike Bell. Yeah, but I'd say the in-person argument by the by the '90s or so <clears throat> isn't as big a deal because by then all the races were on TV. Yeah, true, true. But like, if you weren't at a Supercross in 1980, you didn't see anything except pictures and cycle news, right? True, and you, it's hard to tell impact from a picture and cycle news. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So Davey, for example, like Jimmy Weiner won the title in '76. Uh, Jimmy Ellis won it in '75. But apparently, if you talk to people who are around in that that day and age, Ellis, technique-wise, speed-wise, level of, like, who's the man dominance-wise, was higher. So he's higher on our list. Yeah. That type of thing. Eye test, I guess. Eye test. Thank you. Thank you for the eye test. Yeah. Um, is there anybody not on the list that should have been on? Doug Henry. Oh, wait. <laughs> no. I, I lost sleep over that. Like, that crushed me. It was a... We made an error. The, 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 the hilarious thing, though, is we made, we made an error. We tried to correct it. And the first comment after the article was posted was like, are you guys high? Yeah, and you know what? We pretty much should have said we were high because we agree with that guy. <laughs> right. I just, it was like we're trying to slide it under the radar, trying to get it in there and maybe, you know. We couldn't, we couldn't say, Jihad, just forget about this. Just scrap the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. So – pretty confident the other 29 that we picked are pretty accurate so we can't scrap the whole thing right right we really had a lot of debates about everything yeah and i don't know how it went wrong it wasn't on my end because i was just submitting it but somewhere along the line 19 was open well <laughs> davy is a mad genius and that brings with it many great things and and unfortunately a few drawbacks every once in a while like the vision and the ideas and the heart of everything are always great sometimes we Sometimes our execution's a little off. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, um, active riders, 
uh, Millsaps leads with three. Millsaps and Connard have three. Do either one of those guys move into a top 30 before they're all said and done? Yeah, you bring up a couple interesting arguments there because some of our younger guys on staff started to say, hey, should we be looking at, you know, Light's career, 125 career? Like, that's a significant yeah, good point. part never, of a guy's career. We never did talk about this, yeah. Yeah, that's a significant part of a guy's career. Why would that not count at all? You know what I mean? Swink was brought up. Matasevich was brought up. And we, we just, we yeah. didn't count. Well, I think uh, even Nathan Ramsey, who's, he's won one race in the big class. And isn't he, Ramsey is surprising. He's like third or fourth all Yeah, time. I think he's third, yep. Right, so... I mean, I don't think anyone really in their heart felt Nathan Ramsey is one of the 30 best supercross riders ever, but it's something, it's something to consider. Like, how do you rank that? Like, Damon Huffman, if you did a 30 best lights riders, where would Damon Huffman be? Top three? Top five? Definitely top five, without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> right. So you just completely, I guess, ignore that. So it's hard to compare eras because the other guys didn't even have 125 supercross. You know, who knows right, what right. damage Jeff Ward would have done from 1980 through 83 on a 125, he could have won. Yeah, he, everything. He, uh, he, yeah, he literally had nothing. Um, he had no support class to go into. And if you look at Jeff Ward's early results on a 250, they weren't not good. No, no. I remember Holly telling me this. Like 16, you just line up next to Bob Hanna. <laughs> That's it. Oh, you're, yeah, you're fresh out of amateurs. You throw the bike in the back of the truck and you go to the starting gate with Bob Hanna, which makes Damon F and Bradshaw. That much more remarkable. Before he even rolled 125s, before he even rolled 125s in 89, he got a third at San Diego. Yep, and led. Did he lead? I don't remember. He led? Yeah, he led for a while. Oh, no, wait. 89? He only led for a brief time because that is the infamous race where none other than former Monster Energy Kawasaki team manager Mike Fisher was hauling ass. He was gone. No, that was 88. Was no, 89? no, that was 89. Was it 89? Sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Which, to this day, Fisher gets a little teary-eyed, doesn't really want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, we brought it up a few times. I, I, One time in Jack Murphy Stadium, I told him to take me to the spot where he flew over the berm and land on the ground, and I thought he was going to punch me, and I was just really <laughs> joking. Um, I just said, hey, Mike, where in the stadium did you – whereabouts did you land on the ground? Um, anyways – Oh, where were we? Yeah, um, where were we? So, yeah, Bradshaw, oh. 89. Here we go. Yeah. Six, 17 years old. Eat shit, everybody. Watch me. I'm going to get third. What was cool about that race, and I'm sure that our buddy Blazer has probably put it online, um, since Bradshaw was so good so early and, and Rick Johnson was still the man, even though they were probably eight years apart in age, <laughs> I think RJ was already thinking, like, I need to put this kid in his place. RJ eventually catches him and passes him, I think, for second. Mm-hmm. And for no reason, just puts a little extra brake check on him. Oh, no. Just I need to, to watch like, that again. I'm going to try Oh, yeah. Just to be like, suck it, kid. <laughs> uh, and that's why we went, awesome. I, we did a Supercross, the greatest Supercross racers ever on Pulp MX, uh, and did some stats and stuff. And my wife helped me add them up uh, because that's what I got her to do for me. And she was like, Bradshaw got third in his first race? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, he, got, he, got, he won his next one, which was in 1990. Yeah. Yep. And I go, yeah. And he, she was like, holy shit, he was bad. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. It's what makes the Bradshaw thing make so little sense, like how you could be that good and have it just not work out. Like I don't even – and not for any, you know, not because, well, he just started doing coke. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like what – it's just 
No one can answer the question. No, it's uh, it's definitely a little bizarre. But um, so okay, back to the active guys. The active guys. So Millsaps, Canard, they're tied with three. Yeah, I mean, MAK has it, seven. Let, let me just say the 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 Weinart has a title, right? Yep. Okay, Kudrowski has five wins, and he came in at twenty nine. So yep. therefore, Millsaps and Canard need two more wins each to tie him. And can they sneak into a top 30 spot? Well, I'll give you another argument because Larry Ward, I think, only has three. And we actually had him ahead of Kudrowski because of the longevity. Because I felt like... Oh, yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, Larry Ward has three. Right. Yeah. But I I feel like it is a significant accomplishment for a guy to win a Supercross in 1990 and in 1999. Like, that is... to, to, To be good enough to win nine years apart, I think, is a significant accomplishment. You might not care about this. You're all you're all about the flash. The I, do care. Span, I do care. I do care, but yes, ever. no. You probably want to put Mike Fisher in this because of those ten laps of glory one time in San Diego. I would I would listen to thir- Fish if you want to put him in the top thirty. I would listen to for Ferry as well because of the summer cross thing and beating McGrath. But no one, no one was listening to that at all. Um, of all people, the longevity is the one thing that uh, the one argument you could make for Ferry. You you. Ferry had you raw speed. yourself into a corner. He had raw speed and longevity. Oh, that's true. He had just both. no win. Just no, just <laughs> no wins. Uh, and I would make a case that there was a conspiracy involved in that. I just haven't proven it yet. Um, oh, oh, really? <laughs> so, okay, so if Kennard or Millsaps, if Millsaps can get a win two years from now, now he's in the Larry Ward category-ish. Well, I think, uh, I, I think this is a lot where the eye test comes in. I, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind, I'll, I'll make this argument free and clear, that Kennard has shown he has the ability eye test-wise to potentially be that baddest dude. I mean, there were a couple races in 2011 where you could say, I don't know, maybe Kennard's better than any of these guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't feel like Millsaps ever got to that level. He did win some races, and no doubt he has the talent and maybe potential to be that good. But even the races he won, weird stuff happened here and there. Think, guys crashed, guys were hurt, whatever. Unfortunately for Millsaps, uh, I will always remember his Salt Lake job <coughs> last year. No, last year? Yeah, last year. Last year, where he had the biggest lead ever and basically faded back and then put up absolutely no fight to try to keep the lead. For, from, yeah, from the, I mean, even bobbled. That like was Dungy caught him just before the white flag, and then he made a huge bobble. Uh, I mean, yeah. that to me is just like, you know, that was just a win. He just kind of gave away by being Davey Millsaps. Um, uh, but anyways, so, okay, so you, you could, t- I take it you could see Kennard on this list. You yourself. Uh, yeah, not, not either, neither of them clearly on the list by what they've done so far, but I feel like there's a good chance that Kennard could maybe, over the next couple of years, string up enough. But Henry, and, but Henry has four, and he's 19, Weege. Interesting. Hell. <laughs> wow. Wow. I was glad, luckily, that the legend and hero status of Doug Henry <clears throat> was able to absorb some of the blow. Like, I don't, I don't know where this, the pie, the wedges we were talking about. Yeah. Maybe there is a heroic section of that pie that we just haven't revealed. Yeah, that's it. We, could always, we, we should have said that. We should have just said, and, and don't forget the heroic slice of yeah. pie, which, yes. you know, he's paralyzed and he's still riding. Are you going to question him? Are you going to question him? Are you are you going to say that's the right. paralyzed guy who still rides with the cage is not a hero? 
instantly no. shut down everybody. I think the other thing is we, we, you could put a significant amount of weight to the accomplishment of winning a Supercross on that four-stroke. Well, I do, do you, believe that. I do believe that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I, I do believe yeah. that. Especially those early versions. As, as trick as they looked, they were not, well, they were not what we're, the guys are racing today. Far from it. No, well, I mean, I, I think the proof is that it really took, I think it was, what, 2006 before pretty much every dude finally, you know, Reed Stewart, Carmichael all dropped the two-stroke at the same time going into 2006. That is uh, nine years mm-hmm. after Henry won a four-stroke. So think about how far that bike had to come. It took nine years for it to really be good. That's a good point. And he you're won on right. the sucker. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Almost a decade later. Which, in racing terms, yeah. motocross terms, a decade is, that's 100 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, so okay. there's something, but I still don't think any of us... We're do still you, not going go to go to bed completely confident with that choice. <laughs> uh, do you put Stewart ahead of Carmichael? No, I actually wrestled more, actually, literally on the Stewart. I, 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 personally, I was battling Stewart and, and RJ for, for third and fourth. Um, again, I say the, the pillar of my arguments, the record book has to back it up. Carmichael has five titles. Stewart has two. And for wins, they're just about the same. Carmichael is a few more, but that could change in a matter of a month. But the bottom line is five titles, two titles. That's got to be good enough for something. Okay. What about – and so RJ, you would – so what about RJ Stewart? Well, here was my argument there. Um, you know, we talked about the eyeball test. And, you know, we said the other thing where, like, the fans in the stands are saying he's a badass guy. Right. I was calling that the who's the man status. Like, if you're good enough – like right now, if you go and quiz the industry and say, who's the man? I think most are going to say, oh, it's Ryan Villapoto, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, everyone's going to say it's close, but you could make a, a pretty good across-the-board argument that he's the guy everyone's gunning for. Well, there's something to be said for that, because I, I think that's what we're saying, like Morocco, Wyndham, maybe they never quite got there. Um, even Emig won a title, but I don't think at any point when he won that title, anyone said he's clearly the guy. Um, I mean, I guess after that season, he did win the title. We didn't know what McGrath was going to do. Um, he had who's the man status for a little bit. That who's the man status, how long can you hold that? And I feel that if you, 86, 87, 88, 89, almost four years, three and a half years, RJ was the answer to that question. That is pretty darn good. Now, McGrath was the answer to that question for longer. Carmichael was the answer to that question for longer. Nobody else was. Mm, good points. I hate when so that make, was that was my hate, argument because Stewart. I hate when you make good points. Stewart uh, has one more race than RJ, no doubt, and they both have two titles. But unfortunately for him, you know he he didn't race in '08 for the most part. <clears throat> he didn't race in 2010. I mean, those were years where he could have been the man or should have been the man. So you put RJ ahead of Chad. Yeah, yeah, I do. And then finally, I. I I rethought about it, rethought about it, and again, I went back to that. you got to have that record book back up your argument. And I'm like, but Stewart and Reed have won almost double as many races as the guy, or what is 70% more, if not 100% more, right? 40-some to 28. So Yeah, yeah. 40, 42 to 28, 44 to 28. 40 <laughs> I think I would end up, um, you know, my vote only counts as part of this deal, but I think at the end I would probably end up putting RJ in fifth. Um, but... 
And for a while there, I really thought, you know what? No so one's going to believe this. RJ, RJ, you behind Chad then? You still would go Chad higher? Well, Davey and I said, it's kind of one of those things where we, you know how we said that McGrath and O'Mara seem similar, and lo and behold, they appear no, in the rankings not, right by each not other? McGrath and O'Mara, and Megan O'Mara. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And Megan O'Mara, right? Right. It, <laughs> doesn't it almost seem right to put Reed and Stewart? Like, how do you say that there was someone in between them? Like, they're so, such a... Yeah. Superb matchup. They are. You're right. To the point where the wins and titles are almost identical. Yeah. Um, and then you just get into the same Reed Stewart argument as always. Was Stewart <laughs> faster? Yes. Is he probably a better rider on a dirt bike? Yes. But what about consistency? Blah, blah, blah. All that type of thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah, the battle yeah. we've had for 10 years with those two. There, there's no doubt that RJ got effed out of another two titles, if not more. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? We, you and I talked about this last week, not on the show, but just in general. The wins thing, I don't know how this is possible, but Jeremy McGrath was so good and so dominant that he reset the standard of what you have to do to be good. The top five guys all time in wins are all dudes that raced either McGrath or guys that race after him. No, what does that top four. You? Top four. Yeah, top four. Top four, sorry. Right. Villapoto yeah. on his way. Yes. Um, what yeah. does that tell you? Villapoto four back of RJ. Probably passes him this year. Right. So what does that say? Like, Yeah, it's almost it, like the, the like I said about the pitching mound. Like the, the, the mound was lowered after 1969. Yep. You know, Bob Gibson from St. Louis had some sort of ERA and like just above one or something. Yeah, uh, that's the rule. They, low, yeah. they lowered the mound, and immediately offensive stats went up, and a lot of people go, this was – when they're talking about the sport, this is pre-Rule 69, this is after yeah. 69. Yep. So, we all, I mean, our sport, you, you kind of have to do the same because it's too much of a coincidence that RJ had 28 and Hannah had 27. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were 10 years apart. But they were so close in wins and titles and all that, and then right, and then and the top Carmichael four, Stewart yeah, McGrath, right? They're just Carmichael gone. Reed, Car, sorry, Carmichael Reed Stewart. They are also similar. It, it almost makes it seem like the era you're in determines how many wins you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, and and you could totally make a case that that was that's this case. Yeah, well, you said in hockey they literally call it the modern era. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. Yep. So nineteen. 19- so, 1940 or something, or 1950, like whenever the forward pass was changed rule or something. Like, yeah, it's just like two different two different errors. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you could look at a piece of paper and say that, I mean, Hannah won half as many races almost as as Stewart or Reed. Uh, but do you is, is he half as good? No, so no chance. Do we ever get to a time where we have parity like Hannah and RJ's era? Did we ever get there? You know, I don't. I mean, think we had 1990, had, which had seven different winners. I don't think their win total was because of parity, though. Um, I, it's I give because that's taking the credit away from McGrath for like forging that standard. I think it was that just back then, you knew if you were RJ or Hannah that you'd probably win most of the time, but you were going to get beat every once in a while. You would start fifth and not being able to catch a guy, and that was okay. If you win half the races, you're doing good. And then I think once McGrath proved that you could win just about every single freaking race, <laughs> that, then that becomes the mentality. Like, 
you should pretty much win every single friggin' race. And you go to the line expecting to do that and planning to do that. Um, I, I just think it's too much of a I don't think it's parody. I, I think it's something else. It's the, I think it's a mentality thing. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what else it could be. It just seems like too much of a coincidence. Because um, I don't know about parody. I mean, you go back and watch those races. Is the field that much? I mean, RJ had Ward and Lachine to deal with. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, Carmichael had Stewart and Reed to deal with. And like Timmy. And Timmy. And Timmy. Right. Right. So more parody than for Carmichael. Yeah, more. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like parody is the same. There was that era, <clears throat> there were a couple of years just, in the early 80s that were maybe a high watermark, but I don't think when Han and RJ were winning, it was much different. And I hate to, to steal Emig's phrase, but it's a mindset now where you can win every race. Exactly. It has to it has to be a factor. That can't be a coincidence. Right. McGrath proved that you could win ten races a year on average and in a good year fifteen out of sixteen. Right. So that becomes because remember, when Stewart finally won the title in oh seven, going into oh eight, people asked at the press conference, is the goal to win every race? And it didn't that wasn't a ridiculous question. But until McGrath had done it 10 years earlier, no one would in the right mind would have asked that. True. Yeah. It just becomes something that is now doable. So it makes RJ and Hannah. Honestly, I feel pretty bad about saying that Bob Hannah is only what. What is he going to end up sixth? Probably get sixth, yep. Like, that's awful. What's Bob awful? Hannah, dude? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Stanton's eight. He's a three time champion. Yeah, because here's what you can say about Hannah. Hannah, and he probably would say it, he'd be like, hey, for three straight years, everyone knew I was the effing, I was the stinking man. He wouldn't say effing, right? He was right, stinking man. Yeah. No one could beat me. No one was faster. No one was better. Can you really say that about Chad Reed? Well, yeah. I mean, Stanton's got the, sec- the third most titles in Supercross history. Yeah. And he's eighth. Yeah. And only yeah. McGrath and Carmichael have more titles than he does. Well, Hannah is the same. Oh, Hannah has three? I thought Hannah had two. Yeah. Okay. Hannah has three straight. Yeah. For three straight years, Hannah, no, no one on earth, but Hannah knew, I'll whoop anyone's ass anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I don't, you yeah. could not say, and, Chad Reed could say that. And when I was writing up David Bailey's um, piece, I was looking, at, guess who won the most races in 83? Bob Hannah, by far. You know, there's almost another podcast in here. Well, we'll do our season preview one. Um I remember talking to Bailey one time when we were doing TV together, and I'm like, what was it like having Hannah on the team in 83? And he's like, I would imagine it would be like being Stewart's teammate. He said, like, when, when they would go test or practice or go to the hills and just do stuff, he just embarrassed everybody. Yeah. And we're talking Bailey, O'Mara, like, good riders. And it was just like, this is, this guy's like, they could, they would go up a cliff and they could barely climb it, and he would jump off of it. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, no, he won the most races in 83. Just if he hadn't broken his wrist, I think, he would, would have been champion easy on the Works Honda. Yeah. Easy. He won so, six races or something in 83. So Bob Hanna being sixth of all time, man, that's... Yeah, and, he, that's and, look, and, look, at, and look at his layoff from 80, 1980, 81. He came back in 81 on a shitty Yamaha, 82, and then yeah. he was on a crappy Yamaha. Got yeah. on a good bike. Said he would win if he got on a good bike. Then he it, actually did get on a good bike, and then he actually did win. A lot. Yeah. 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 So. so it gets really hairy trying to put, 
you know, I'm, I'm sure James Stewart in his heart probably thinks he's even better than Carmichael, and I don't think anyone's going to argue McGrath, right? I would hope not. I will fight. <laughs> I will fight them too. I think I would fight them. I'm not, I don't even get fired up like you do, but I think I would fight. Like, come on. Yeah. If we if we can't all agree on this, we can't agree on nothing. Gun control maybe is next after that. If we, if we can't agree on that. Um, well, actually, it'd be, the, it'd be gun out of control. Like, <laughs> yeah. take advantage of the lack of gun laws we have. Right, right, good point. As others, unfortunately, have as well. Um, all right, well, uh, okay. I think we've given people a little look uh, behind the curtain at the Racer X Monster Energy Top 30 Supercross Racers of all time. I think we've done that. Can I run, a, can I run an audible and, like, crash the website? Like, Bob Hanna's sixth all time. Like, it's really kicking my ass now. We can try to have Hannah on. Let's see how he feels about this. <laughs> listen, listen, know, listen never mind. We haven't quite narrowed the list off. There could be Villapoto ahead of him. Very well could happen. Uh, I'm, just, I'm not saying... One less titles and less races. I think, we're, I think we're good right now. Okay, so Hannah will be sixth. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm just... You're seeing where I'm coming from, right? Yeah. Three straight years, no doubt in anyone's mind, Bob Hanna will kick anyone's ass. Well, so how does Chad Reed go ahead of him? Just because he won more races? Well, now we're back to the longevity thing. Right. Which is a gnarly argument. Like, it is hard to weigh those two things against each other. Um, yikes. Yeah, good Bob point. Bob Hanna, dude. Yeah. Bob Hanna, yeah. he's a hurricane. Yeah, you're right. Um, As Davey once said, Hannah, every once in a while, you know, pop out of the hole and talk a bunch of trash and everybody. And uh, I think some one time somebody answered back, and they're like, this guy shouldn't weigh in anymore. He's out of touch. He doesn't know what's going on in the industry. And Davey said, if it weren't for him, there wouldn't be an industry. <laughs> well, I don't know if I totally agree with that, but that is a good comeback. Yeah. Much like the comeback about Doug Henry, if anybody gets upset. He rides a bike with a cage? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. The guy's yeah. paralyzed, man. Give him a break. He could probably he could probably make a main now with the cage. There would there would be people who would say that. I guarantee. Yeah. You. Okay. I, I don't actually believe that, but uh, yes, someone would say it. Uh, all right, man. Well, yeah, we can do another podcast where you can go on about Bob Hanna and his injustice, and I will go on about Tim Ferry and his injustice. Yes, Ferry was robbed. And and, and stay tuned for the opening rounds of Supercross, where Feld will indeed march out a bunch of old guys. Two opening ceremonies, and we will all bask in it because that is cool. Never mind. Remember when they had retro night? Remember when they had retro night? Uh, um, RJ came on the gonna... KTM. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> like maybe he deserved the ovation he didn't get because they. I was doing the webcast at the time, so we had all these meetings about how the show was going to go and what right. happened. And they're like, there will be tears in the stands when Bailey and RJ come out. They did not say that. Nobody said that. You're making that. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. That was said. <laughs> I mean, Bailey's paralyzed. You don't see him on a bike yeah. like, almost ever. Like, he did it one other time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They said there will be tears seeing these two. Instead, there was silence. There really because was. Because <laughs> everyone in the stand is like, I don't know, I'm 20 years old. Who the hell are these guys? Yeah, let's get some beer. Yeah, McGrath. Let's bring out Carmichael. And then they got huge tears. Let's drink some beer. Well, no, just the, the Supercross folks have to pat themselves on the back for the growth of the sport. There's a lot of young fans that didn't. I don't know what went on in 1986. They got into it because of McGrath. So anything before him, no clue. That's a good point. There is that McGrath line again in the sand. You're right. 
That's why we will shoot anyone who says he's not number one. <laughs> Careful on the shoot word. It's a little sensitive these days. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Um, all right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast. Presented by Thor MX. By the way, Ryan Villapoto, who wears Thor MX, climbing the charts of the all-time win list. Wow, good one. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. yeah Coming yeah. for your job. All right, thanks, Weege. See ya. Later. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200-episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.